The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and today we're breaking down the fourth round of the Memorial and everything we saw all week long. Joining me to do so, fresh off his sweet TV hit, it's Greg Ducharme. What up, Greg? All good. This was uh, quite Can a I week. Can I say that? Can I yeah. say that you're fresh off your head? Okay. Well... <laughs> Well, by the time this airs, we'll be all right, I think. So we're good. Beauty. We're good. Beauty. Um, no spoilers. Yeah. So all good. Everything going really well. It was a great weekend. Um, a couple things disappointed me this weekend. I was disappointed with a couple things that happened over the weekend. But all in all, it was great. It's good, great for John Rahm to get the, get the win. So very exciting. We are going to get to uh, at least one of those disappointments I know coming up. Uh, also joining us this evening is Kyle Porter. What up, KP? How much? Another week, another uh, week of excitement. I, I just, I, it feels like every week's been awesome. And they've been, it's been that way for different reasons. They haven't all been exactly the same, but uh, this was, this was maybe, I don't know, last week's tough to top, but the overall, I think this week was probably my favorite for all four days, just because the way everything played out. This was an eight shot lead with like 10 holes to go. And it was still filled with drama and still entertaining, which yeah. is hard to do. How is no. it? How does this keep happening? I mean, I feel like the bigger the lead, the bigger the collapse always is. Like, when is somebody just gonna, like they were talking about in the broadcast, just make eighteen straight pars and do exactly what we think they're gonna do? It it never goes that way. Well, to I mean, to be fair, like uh, Rom touched. He, I think he might have touched like close to twenty one strokes gained on the field, which is just a stupid number on nine. And so yeah. you're like, well is that that has to come back a little bit right and it did obviously over the over the last nine but yeah it is uh it has been four straight weeks i guess of of, of people just kind of trying to give away leads reminder we are on youtube so you can check us out on youtube show us some love over there uh personally I, i'm trying to outpace uh the pick six pot I saw they're also on YouTube. They've got a much bigger audience than we do. So it's like our little thing if we can outpace them. So go check us out on YouTube. Uh, John Rom, here we go. It's technically a three-shot victory after being assessed uh, a two-stroke penalty on 16. We'll talk about Greg. He is the new number one player in the world. Your thoughts? been a long time coming it, it's interesting that it's come after kind of a um in the restart it hasn't been the play we've expected john rom's kind of been we've been wondering like where is he we were expecting him to burst through and and, uh, and contend for a week and it took until this week which was great but I, I think it was definitely aided by the fact that rory hasn't performed at the highest level 
um, the level we expected him to perform at. Because before the restart, these two guys were top five, top ten, both of them, each and every week. And it's really hard to gain ground on a guy when he finishes in the top five every week. So a little bit of a, a decline in performance from Rory and a big win. I mean, this is the biggest win of John Rahm's career, not just because he becomes world number one, but it's an elevated status event on the PGA Tour. It's in major championship conditions against a great field. This was, this was a big win for John Rahm. He surpasses Rory McIlroy at the top of the golfing world, KP. But uh, I guess I guess I want to do two things here. A, a little bit, let's put it into perspective. Like, there's not been, and I think a lot of people don't realize this, there hasn't been a lot of guys who have been the number one player in the world. Yeah. Okay? And there's and there's been a lot of great golfers who have never gotten to the number one player in the world. So this this deserves uh, its, its due credit. For sure. I think uh, he's the 24th. Is that the number that we had on there? Uh, 20, 24th guy to, to reach uh, number one. We did a trivia game on this. <clears throat> we did. I smoked you, Greg. Yeah, that was embarrassing. I shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> yeah, that was a self-own. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> that was an own goal, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's for you. Uh, it's for the fans. <laughs> so, uh, 24th guy. Ten, I think 10th Euro. And then, obviously, second Spaniard behind, uh, behind Seve. And you know, it is hard because you look at Rom, and over the last uh, year, I guess, he's been awesome. The last five months, he's been okay. Not like, I mean, obviously, we haven't played for a lot of that, but the last five months of play, I guess, like 2020, essentially, he's been good, but not like number one in the world type. And so this is, this is more of a, it's more of a validation of what he did at the end of last year than like this just mega hot streak coming into and winning the Memorial. But I, I, I agree with Greg. I think Memorial is a huge deal. And I think, and I made this point on HQ. I wrote about it a little bit as well. I think it proves to himself that he can win a major. He's won everywhere. He's won Irish open. He's won Dubai. He's won Tory. He's won all these different places. And but he, but he hasn't won in major like conditions like this. I mean, the, the course, the separation on the leaderboard, we've talked about it all week. Everything about this was major like, and I think for him mentally, it's just a good place to be because even though you didn't win the masters, the PGA, whatever, at least, you know, like, okay, I, I know I can do that. And not that he needed that confidence, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like that's nothing. I feel like that will be meaningful for him going forward. Well, just to add to that real quick, the last time he was in contention in what you may call major-like conditions was at the Players' Championship, and mm -hmm. uh, he really gave that one away. Um, on the 11th hole, hitting it in the water, trying to hit some kind of a hero shot. So uh, this was definitely a step in the right direction. And to add to your point, Kyle, I mean, he's won all over the world, but on the PGA Tour, he's only won – this is his third – individual event yeah, the, the yeah. fourth win was with ryan palmer ironically at the zurich so it, it's he hasn't won as much as we feel like on the pga tour and um winning a big event on the pga tour like this definitely leads your mind into okay major championship is the next step for me i actually like the way he ascended to the world's number one so it's never a fluke when you get to number one, really. But the fact that he didn't just go on a heater and win like, I don't know, three out of six and then take it away from Rory, I think it is more indicative of his larger body of work that he had kind of a slow start to 2020. Then he gets a big win, and now he's the number one player in the world. So I, I like the way he did that. 
let's talk about his Sunday round uh, because for the first nine holes, KP, this was Vince Carter gif. It was over. <laughs> I mean, he, he was, what, two under, I think? Yeah, he went out in 34 yeah. on a day where everyone's getting their butts kicked. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's like, this is like, I'm, I'm snoozing over here. I'm falling asleep. Uh, then he runs into a little bit of trouble. Yeah, it was, uh, I think there were like six guys under par and he was one of them and he was two under. There was only, the only guy better than him at, after the front nine, I think was Fitzpatrick, who was four. But I mean, we talked about this on Saturday, right? Like you're going to have a moment and he had that moment on 10 and 11. He goes bogey double. And then I, this, this is dumb and I probably shouldn't make this point, but I thought the shot on 12 on the par three where he like went after that pin, that back right pin that's kind of like tucked a little. You're like, geez, that's a that's a tough pin, and he he was like all over it. I haven't seen there was no one else who stops the ball on that green, and he no. like got it to check up. It was unbelievable. It was insane. Oh, and and, yeah. and I and I felt like that was a moment where he was. He, I just felt like he was locked in mentally in a way that uh, Greg talking about even the players uh, last year. He just just total ejection right just mentally just all over the place and he, he didn't he hit some bad shots today and he played a couple of bad holes but he didn't do that mentally so 12 I thought was huge and then obviously 16 you're just hanging in hanging in hanging in you hit I mean that shot's a joke we can talk about the penalty but yeah to, to hit that to land it where he did I mean if you are six inches six inches shorter it doesn't it doesn't make it on the green you're chipping again probably and if you're two feet longer, you've probably got a 15 footer coming back for par. And it was just, I, I just, to make that is, and I tweeted this, but like, it's unfair to be able to hit the ball like him and then have hands like that around the green. I mean, it, it, it's just, it's unbelievable. And yeah, I don't know. We, we, we can talk about the penalty, but we, we can go from there. Let's talk about 16 because there was a lot going on. I mean, that was basically where, where it had gotten its closest. And Ryan Palmer had just hit, by all accounts, a pretty good shot into 16. He was just kind of on the fringe. He had a pretty decent chip at it. He was going to make par. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, Rom's going to come one shot further back to the field. Now, he, I guess he kind of ended up doing that with penalty <laughs> shot or whatever. Uh, but Greg, this is going to go down as a bogey. Like when we look back in history, this is a bogey on the scorecard because of the penalty, but this shot is unbelievable. Uh, well, it, it changes the entirety of the, of the competition, right? The, the fact that Ryan Palmer thinks it's a two, uh, that alone yeah. changes the whole realm of competition. If he, uh, if he hits it 30 feet by and makes a four kind of, I'll call it the conventional way, then Ryan Palmer's sitting there thinking, all right, I got a, I got a real chance here. But now he has to hit a pitch shot from off the green where when you're looking at the position, when you're kind of comparing the position, you're saying, okay, if you're Ryan Palmer, advantage me. I can get myself even, even closer here by just making a par. All of a sudden he chips in and you're saying, well, now I got to make it, right? And it changes the whole complexion. Um, whenever there, there are rare situations, but when you don't know the score of a sporting event, it really <laughs> changes the way people play it, right? I, I, I think that's pretty much only golf. I think everybody yeah. else knows what the score is. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Like it, it. Well, maybe there's some instances in swimming or a timed event, right, in the Olympics yeah. where there you there's a, a discrepancy. But anyway, you're right. It happens in golf. It happened with Dustin Johnson at the U.S. Open at Oakmont, where Kyle has played. It was uh, extremely. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know where else Kyle has played? Uh, Kyle's also played Augusta. Did you know that, Greg? 
there, well, need, there needs to be is. a there needs to be a Kyle Bingo like just Spieth <laughs> and Oakmon. <laughs> yeah, if you get hit, whenever you get a chance to hit him, you have to do it. But point being, the you like it's important to know where you stand in an event. It affects yeah. your decision making, especially when you're in the group with that uh, with that individual. So for that to go in and him still make a four, it ends up not mattering because the effect of him making it still like Brian Palmer still felt the effect of him making it. So it was a great shot. It was important to go in regardless of what happened and uh, uh, memorable for sure. So do you guys, do you guys think that there should be some, I don't know how you would do this even, but like some uh, way to like tell those guys as quickly as possible, what's going on. Maybe they did. Maybe, maybe the quickest they could have told them was on, on 18 after the event was over. But well, what I, go go to you, Rick? I want to. What, what was your take on like should they should they try to get that ruling as fast as possible so that the the last two holes can play out kind of fairly, whatever that means in that moment? So yes. So okay. So I have a lot of thoughts about this because I hate golf rules in general, and the fact that this even became a penalty. John Rom didn't know about it. No one knew about it. Is because we had a camera there. If the guys who came through. Two hours earlier, might have done the same thing, didn't catch it on camera. Who knows? Who knows how many other times this has happened throughout the day? But I do think if you're going to like allow this, where it's like, oh, we're going to review this, then you have to do what you do in other sports, which is stop the game, huddle up, get a decision, and go from there. You can't like, like they don't review touchdowns in football and tell you the results of the touchdown after the game. It would right? be insane. It would yeah. be insane to do that. And it's insane that golf is the only sport that allows competition to go on to the point of we don't know what the score is. It's insane. So if we're going to allow this, there's got to be a better way to do it. it you're right on, Rick, because it does. it is insane. But there's a fundamental difficulty in this. And golf has uh, 150 balls in play. Probably not all. Well, it's probably half of that in play. But, I mean, you're looking at a number of golf balls in the air at the same time. And yeah. to stop everybody on the golf course. You know, it seems easy when you're dealing with just the last group, right? Well, Ryan Palmer and John Rom can just wait. We'll get it sorted out. But what happens if the, if the guy in Ryan Palmer's position, the guy in second, is up ahead uh, on on 18 you're going to stop him and the group on 17 and the group on 16 so it becomes extremely challenging and I think the only way to solve it and I'm not sure this is the right thing to do is you just eliminate the camera penalty which still throws people into a tizzy I mean imagine if the Patrick <laughs> Reed situation was like well we didn't catch it live even though it's on camera we can't call it so okay. it kind of goes it's, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword it is so for sure and it and it it, it sort of artificially, uh, not artificially, it penalizes guys that are in the lead, right? Because you have all the cameras. Correct. This is the Tiger thing. Like, how, how many more shots of Tiger? Like, if you had a chart showing shots since 2000 on live television, it'd be Tiger, it'd be Phil, and then the, nobody else would even be on the chart. Also, how about this? Um, it is very easy to assess a two-shot penalty when the guy wins by five. If this yeah. was, if Rom wins this by one shot, there is no chance. First of all, there's no chance they're giving him this penalty. There's no chance. They would figure out some other rule that says intent or blah, blah, blah. Did it improve his lie? Like whatever. There would have been some other rule. You, you can't take the trophy out of his hand. So it's like, 
I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. I hate it. I, I don't well, know. The, the, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, like people will tweet out like what the rule says. And I'm like, I don't even care. Like, I <laughs> yeah. don't, I don't care. Like, and I should, because I have to write about this and eventually I will read it. But the, the language is so like loophole and obfuscated that you're like, I don't even, I don't even know where to start. I don't even, uh, so my first year covering golf for CBS was uh, 13. So Tiger off the stick uh, at Augusta on, on the 15th hole. And it came out late that night, right? It was Friday night. And uh, it came out like 11 o'clock, midnight. I, st stuff started happening. And I didn't know what I was doing. Like I had no clue like how to cover. I had just no idea. And I had, uh, I had like had a beer with my wife or something. And I'm like, I, I don't, I was like getting into the USGA rule book and I was like, I have, I don't, I don't know what I'm reading. I, I don't like, even if I hadn't had a beer, I wouldn't know. And the fact that I have makes it that much worse. This is, this is insane. Like I have no idea what's going on. And that's sort of where we're at with all these rulings now. And it, and it's, and it's become worse and not better. I'm with Greg. I, I wrote this two years ago, burn the rule book, make it make, there should be like eight rules. There shouldn't be 450 pages of rules i mean it's it's insane I, I it's so frustrating to cover a sport that's like that well um i i could spend three more hours on the rule thing <laughs> it's it's crazy um well i will say this here's a couple of fun little tidbits from from the rest of this round here so john rom 75 is going to be the highest final round by a winner this season uh second on that list was terrell hatton pew pew if you're watching on, <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, I just tie hat and shotgun that. Um, and now four straight seasons of victories for John Rom. So we'll do a little impromptu prop game, gentlemen. Uh, we'll start with you, Greg. Is John Rom the number one player at the end of 2020? Mm. Yes, uh, and I say that for a couple of reasons. Now that he has it, I believe that John Rahm's game is well-rounded enough where he can contend on all sorts of golf courses, all sorts of venues. Uh, and I, I think the remainder of the schedule kind of suits him well. So I guess there, there kind of needs to be a follow-up question. You talking end of the season or end of 2020? No, 2020, because that would be the year end of like the official world golf yeah, rankings. Yeah, good point. So I do believe he, I, I think the major championships coming up, I think John Rahm just proved to himself that he can, he can hang, he can deal with it. He can handle the deep bunkers at Wingfoot and the high rough and the really fast greens that get crazy firm. He can handle uh, the 11th hole. I mean, wh whatever there is, there's something about the 11th hole when it's a par five, it doesn't go very well for him. So um, at Augusta, fortunately, it's not a par five. It's not a par five at Wingfoot. So I do think John Rahm has the game to be a world number one. Great putting stroke, great driver of the golf ball. He's, he's great with his irons. And the short game is, like Kyle said, it's unfair to have hands like that. So yeah, yeah I, think he, I think he can do it. All right. KP. What say you? Uh, I, I kind of agree. Like, I think momentum is big with him because he's so emotional. Uh, but I don't know. I, I'd have to look at, like, what, like, is he up, like, 0 .001 on Rory? Or is it, like, is it, you know? So, I, he's – I'll tell you what he is. So, he's at 9.1 is his average, and Rory's at 8.5, essentially. So, to put that into perspective, uh, you know, Rory's a full point ahead of, of Justin Thomas in third. I mean, it's it's – it's close, close enough. I'm gonna, I say, guess. 
I'm going to say no, just not because of Rom necessarily. I think Rom will have success at these majors, but I think one, JT Rory, somebody behind him might win one of them. Right. And yeah. then all of a sudden you, you, you jump over. So yeah, I'll, I'll say no, but not necessarily because of Rom. I, I think that's where I land as well. If Rory wins like his next start, he, he probably just takes it right back without knowing, you know, cause he's probably gonna play again. What WGC, something like that. So, probably um, not. Yeah. So it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I, I put out a Twitter poll uh, at the beginning of the restart. It was like, who's going to be the, like, it might take a while, but who's going to be the next person to overtake Rory McIlroy in the number one. And it got like JT had a lot of votes and like Brooks had a lot of votes and, and Rom obviously had a lot of votes and Rom was the, the one to do it. Who do, you, who do you guys think is going to be the next number one after Rom? Uh, Bryson. Well, sorry, that's a that's a bad way to phrase it. The next, uh, like the twenty fifth guy to be the number one part in the world. Okay, that, that I'm gonna stick with Bryson. That's pretty good. Yeah, Bryson, or it could be Webb. Mm, I would like that. Wow, I would like that too. Because also Webb is gonna play like five events a year that these other guys aren't, which is like Wyndham, RSN. Like he'll play like some weird ones, and he'll be like the overwhelming favorite. Yeah. And if he wins one and then does what he does kind of everywhere else, he could like sneak up on the number one spot. I mean, he could, he could have had it this week, right? Yeah. If, if he would have won, I, I think Bryson is a pretty, is a pretty good pick. Cause I, I just, we can talk about him if we want. There's too many guys to talk about. We don't have five hours, but I just think, I think he's going to kill at these three M opens at these rocket mortgage classics. I think he's going to just destroy them. But we saw this week, like, when, when you get out of position in a major championship course like this, when you're not playing the right angle into some of these greens, it's problematic. And that's why, yeah. like, that's why I go back to the Harden thing of, like, you're going to destroy in the regular season. It's going to be just carnage. But in the majors and when it counts, it's, it's different. It's, it, it's going to be different, and I'm interested to see how it goes for him. Let's talk about – John Rahm's Zurich Classic winning partner, Ryan Palmer. Pretty cool to see those two guys in, in the final group kind of rooting one another on. Uh, Greg, this was like a week of just a full hard reset for Ryan Palmer. You know, there is the well-documented fact that he misses the cut last week, goes uh, home, gets like this emergency swing uh, lesson. He grabs his putter that he used in college where he I literally looked like he took a Sharpie to the back of it and put money signs on it. Like this is like <laughs> a hard, like I've done that too. I've just also never used that putter on the PGA tour. Um, like, like a hard reset for Ryan Palmer and it worked. It worked extremely well. You know, this golf course played so different from last week. I wonder, it, it was almost like a new golf course. I know a lot of the sight lines are the same, but the areas where you had to land your ball this week was I mean, it was it was crazy. And where you the other thing about that is when you know that scoring is not going to get to 25 under par, you don't feel like you have to shoot at every flag. So it, it suits Ryan Palmer's game uh, in a great way. I mean, think back to the Sony Open this year where the wind was blowing like crazy. It was playing really difficult and he was right there in the mix until hitting that five wood out of the bunker that was never to be found again, as Rick would say, to unknown. So we didn't know exactly. uh <laughs> We didn't know exactly. This is kind of the golf course that suits Ryan Palmer, a guy who drives the ball really well. He's a steady iron player. And when he has a, something in his mind like that, Mark talks about it all the time. You just have one thing that you can stick to, one thing to find that swing thought that works for you, and you're a totally new player. So Ryan Palmer's been having a great year. 
And this week, the advantage for, for solid driving of the ball increased because the fairways got so firm and the rough came up a little bit and the greens get firmer and he was rewarded for it in a lot of ways. He's definitely having a better year than even like if you just pull up his like results, like they're better than that because he's had a couple of weird situations where he kind of lost it at the end. KP, yeah. he leads the field in strokes gained approach and will now be in uh, the U.S. Open thanks to his finish here this week. I mean, we're going to be seeing more of Ryan Palmer. Yeah, for sure. I, I thought that uh, – I don't know. I was really impressed by the way he hit it. I mean, to, to kind of what Greg was talking about, I feel like every time I looked up, I was like, wow, that was a great shot by Ryan Palmer. You know, yeah. even – even on Sunday, when it, the, the greens got baked out a little and you're like, uh, it, there was a hole, I can't remember, I think it was on the back nine, it might have been 13, where uh, Rom hit a wedge that hit the front of the green and like bounced all the way through. And he was, it was the one where he was like covering his face because he couldn't believe it. And Palmer got one to stop like right next, I mean, you know, within 15, 20 feet. I just, I, I was really impressed with how much control he had over his irons. And, and to that point, I mean, that's a good harbinger for for uh, wingfoot like for a u.s open type setup um so yeah i you know i didn't know he wore jordans either he had the jordan 11s on on saturday yeah, that, those was, were jordans. that was sick that was sweet love it uh here's a fun little one for you greg that penalty shot that those two strokes assessed to john rom if you bet Palmer over Rom in a round four matchup that cashed it for you. <laughs> That's dirty. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick has bones on the bag. Greg, I mean, I, I don't know. Has, has he been doing this? Is this the second week they've done this? Do you know that story? Well, I, I'm not sure if this is the first or second week, but he did say after the round that he was going to go back to his, uh, his normal caddy. So I think it's a temporary thing for bones, but yeah, Matthew Fitzpatrick, one of those guys who, who like he pops up and this is something I wanted to bring up earlier in the Bryson conversation. There seems to be a point. I'd love to get you um, both of your takes on this, but there seems to be a point when greens get so firm that the advantage of like trajectory and spin almost diminishes where wedges don't even stop on the green. And it becomes the, the value of short game goes up so much. The value of putting increases so much because everybody's missing greens, even when they hit great shots. Whereas you go to a place like, um, like Augusta national where the high ball hitters have such an advantage. It's because the greens are receptive enough to hold certain shots. They hold short irons or they'll, uh, they'll hold a shot that has a steep enough descent angle or something enough spin, whatever. It seemed like this, it didn't matter. Like every shot was going to get to go to 40 feet past the hole or go to uh, go over the back of the green. So putting and, uh, and short game come becomes very important. And that's what Matthew Fitzpatrick did so well. I also think creativity goes a long way. Sorry, KP, I'll tee you up on this one. Uh, yeah. He also mentioned after the round, he kind of likes these hard setups, right? This is a good, kind of a good situation for him. Yeah, the, well, he actually mentioned this. So this quote was from back in, uh, in March. So oh. this, was, this was after the Arnold Palmer. The scoring average there, I think the final round scoring average there was like 74 or 73. I mean, it was high. Yeah. Whenever Hatton went pew, pew. There it is. Um, <laughs> and he said after the round there, he, uh, he said, I would, I would so much rather it play like this every week where it's a battle and you've got to work hard and grind instead of wide open fairways, no win and just shoot 65 and you move down, <laughs> which is, yeah. which is like a lot of PGA tour setups. But 
um, that was a little bit of foreshadowing for, for this week. And, and to your point about the creativity, I think that's such, I think both of those are good points. The short game does, there is more impetus on that, but, but, um, or there is more emphasis on that, but also the creativity, it, th- there were holes today that felt a little open championshipy, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, you gotta, you almost, I mean, Phil, we can talk about Phil, but oh yeah, you almost have to like, you're not even really hitting these full shots. You're just kind of running it up and, and, and leaving yourself uh, like a, a somewhat simple two putt par. You're not even going at pins. That's why some of the, some of the shots Ron was hitting late. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, what is he really going at that pin? I thought they were, unbelievably impressive given the circumstances and given the way the course was playing. So, uh, yeah, I love the way that the course plays like that. And I think it works to somebody like Fitzpatrick Fitzpatrick's advantage because he's not super long, but he, I think he is pretty creative. He is pretty clever. He is pretty nifty around those greens. So I, I thought that was, um, I, I like it when courses are set up like that. Cause I think it rewards guys that have, a bigger variety of shots rather than just hit it as far as you can. His final round 68 was the round of the day. That's unbelievable. 68 out there is wild. That's that's eight, eight strokes game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know what the number final number was, but yeah, seven and a half. 76. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Eight strokes game. Just, just for people that are listening, like if you gain 10, that's like probably the round of the year. Uh, on the PGA Tour, 10-11 is just unfathomable. So to gain eight, it's pretty awesome. Only round in the 60s all day? Yeah. Pretty cool. 68. Yeah. Which is, which is crazy. Um, Tony Finau probably would have paid, paid a lot of money for a 68, Greg. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have a great segue into that one. <laughs> Sometimes I get set up into really easy transitions. That one, not so much. I uh, like <laughs> There was a point of uh, this event on Saturday where Tony Finau was at 12 under par, which uh, if he could have just ended there, would have ran away with this thing. 12 under on his first 47 holes, Greg, 10 over on his last 25. It, it, it got ugly for Tony. It's so, this is one of the things we talked about this at the top. I, a couple things disappointed me. This is all a couple of them. This is, what, <laughs> this is every hole. Tony on the yeah. 10th hole, Tony on the yeah. 11th hole. Tony. Like, He's so, this guy is so good. His play, like everything about him would tell you that this is the kind of, maybe not everything, but this is the kind of golf course he should do well at. He's really calm. He's cool. He, uh, he, he's strong. He's got a ton of length. I mean, apparently, I, I don't know how far he can really hit the ball, but it seems like his ball speeds can rival Bryson's when he wants to. I don't think he can control it in the way that Bryson does. But I mean, this guy is, immensely talented and when he's putting the way that he was putting you expect him to do really well right and come out and win and 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 get the job done right break the curse rick i'll i'll uh, bring that up for you Thank but you. it doesn't happen and it's these there's like a clear turning point right on you look at saturday and he gets through the 11th hole and he's got i mean what was the lead a four-shot lead he has a four-shot lead and then makes double on the very next hole and and that's the that's the end like right there on 12, one moment ends the tournament for him. And it, it's, it's not easy to do it. Rom almost did the same thing, right? One, he gets to number 10. So this is where there are these two parallels. I know this is getting long winded, but you have Tony Finau gets to where he has a four shot lead after the 11th hole. 
and then makes a double on 12. There's a moment there where I believe he says, okay, wow, I, I have a chance to win this thing. I can win this tournament. John Rahm gets to the 10th tee, which is the same place where Rory McIlroy got to in the Masters in 2011. It, wow, it's got to bring that up. Turning point. Yeah, I have to because it's now all of a sudden your mind goes from I'm plant, taking it one shot at a time to I'm reading the paper. Look what I can accomplish. Rory's saying I can win my first major. I can win a green jacket. And then it goes sideways because you get to the back nine. That's my, that's my take. <clears throat> I think Tony gets Go ahead, Kyle. Well, the the weird part about that is it doesn't seem like his demeanor or like what he's doing changes, does it? Or does he? Or or is he like speeding up? Is he like getting? I mean, like his facial expression doesn't, but maybe his swing and his body are like getting getting ahead of like what he's trying to do. I look at the body language, and there's a slight change. It goes from okay, this is a guy who's extremely confident, right? nodding his head he, he's like yeah I, I got this to a guy who kind of like his his eyes almost change slightly like oh man it's there's like a little a little slight slump in the shoulders it just the energy changes you can feel it you can see it happening i mean you probably knew it was all going to happen we may have even been texting about it on the 12th hole we had we say here we go again this is this is tony finau doing what Tony does, right? Maybe there's some other comments made about it, but you can see it change in an instant. And I believe it happens when he says in his mind, instead of, okay, what do I have to do on this shot? He says, I can win this tournament. It, yeah, it, it's certainly not. I, 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 th- I like Tony. Like I've talked to him a little bit. Uh, he's like the nicest guy. Uh, I don't think you talk to anybody on tour who doesn't like him. I mean, his Ryder Cup in 18 was awesome like just really fun he's a he's a great player I I just I don't know I don't know what it is about when he gets to the end of these tournaments and it's like it's right there man like and then a a 16 shot swing in 16 holes over the course of two days that that is like that's that's crazy I mean I know Rom went out and got it but like you gotta like show some fight I mean you're right there and it's a huge deal it's a big tournament and he just, I don't know. It, it, it was disappointing. I, I, was, I was disappointed with the way he kind of closed that out. It, it would be one thing to just finish second to John Rahm and have him beat you. Yeah. Otherwise, instead of shooting, yeah, like 16 over par in your last 27 holes or whatever, whatever it shoot ended 40, up. Being. You go shoot 42 on your first nine on Sunday. Do, do you guys know how old Tony Fino is? Ooh, can we guess? Yeah. Um, oh, man. Is he one of those guys? I bet you he's 28. I think he's a little older. What is he, 32? He's 30. 30. Hmm. Split, the Split the difference. Yeah. I thought he I was like. I would win, Rick, because I went over. I thought he was like 37. Um, yeah, I mean, he kind of looks. I, I, he's either one of those guys who like it looks way older than he is or looks way younger than he is, but I don't know which one. He, well, he's, got, he's got like a bunch of kids, and he's just, uh, yeah. I, don't, I didn't think of him as being 30. My favorite Tony Finau moment, by the way. Ryder Cup in 18, where he made that putt. I think – I can't remember who it was on, but he, it was in, in four ball on, like, Saturday or something. And he did that point, and his finger's, like – his finger's, like, eight feet long. Out of the frame. <laughs> and it was, like – it took up the whole – it was awesome. I, that was one of, the, one of the best Ryder Cup moments. It was great. 
before we get to break and before we talk Tiger and a couple odds and ends, following up on something earlier, KP said that when you get into 10 strokes gained for a round, that is like round of the year. And that's why he's KP because the round of this season, 9.92 is the best round of 2020 thus far. Uh, Wait, let me guess. Let me guess. Okay. I was going to say, do you want to guess? Was it, in the, was it in the fall or the spring? It's PGA Tour season. They're all the oh, same. I know. Oh, we're not supposed to call it. We're not supposed to call it. What are we supposed to call it now? The wraparound season? Well, wrap around. but I mean, was it in 19 or 20? It was in 19. Yeah. Uh, Jacob definitely doesn't know. I can see his face. <laughs> I, I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I know. It feels ahead, like Greg. a thousand years ago. It has to be a 59. It's got to be Kevin Chappell's 59. It's Kevin Chappell's oh, 59. Wow. The what second, a call. Second round of the Greenbrier. So the first event of the year, the second, the second round of the year, Kevin Chappell shoots a 59, gains 9.9 strokes. So there are only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight other rounds where he gains eight, uh, eight or more strokes in a single round. Uh, so Fitzpatrick will be the ninth. If, whatever you could have told me, you could have told me the Chappell round happened in any of the last eight years. And I would have been like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did he shoot after he, he shot like some crazy high score after that yeah it was like a 20 stroke difference or something i want to yeah. see the the 59 80 swing just nothing in the <laughs> 60s or 70s <laughs> uh, all right we're gonna talk tiger we got a couple odds and ends on the other side but first we're gonna take a quick break and hear a word from our partners take your business further with the smart and flexible american express business gold card you can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. And we're back. Tiger Woods just played in his first official PGA Tour event since February at the Genesis Invitational. Greg, we'll start with you. At least he got to play four. I mean, general takeaways here. I mean, it's a lot about reps, but we always have such high expectations for Tiger. Where do we fall? Well, we're in this position now. There's a lot to talk about in his game, right? I mean, the iron play was great. Putting around the greens, not so great. There's so many ways you can go discussing Tiger Woods. But unfortunately, the reality of the situation, in my opinion, is we're at a point where Tiger Woods is day-to-day. Is he going to feel good one day or is he not going to feel good one day? And that's just the result we're going to get. And it sadly limits the amount of playing opportunities he's going to have. 
uh, and it it limits the opportunities that he has to win. So we like like there's no point. It's almost like Jason Day. There's not a point you get to where okay, he's healthy now. I, I fell for the trap again this week. Thought he was going to have a great week because he's healthy. He's had all this time off. But what I learned this week is you that that time off doesn't uh, extend over time. Like like once you, it doesn't matter if you've had a week off or if you've had a month off that back can stiffen up any day. And it's kind of just a, a sad reality. But, man, I mean, it's still – it's great to watch him play. And every opportunity we get from here on out, I know I'm going to be extremely appreciative of. The physical side is certainly one thing, KP. The, the stat side of it, I mean, he was, he was pretty good with Zions. They gained over five strokes on approach. It was the, the short game that kind of let him down. Yeah, it was. Uh, I thought that – I can't remember where we talked. I, I might've already said this on a podcast. I've said things so many places this week, but I, I think it's really fun to watch him try to hold some of these irons and wedges against this wind uh, and some of the greens you saw at Memorial. That's just, he just shines there. And, and, and if he's, you know, not feeling well or whatever, it, it almost doesn't matter. Like that's just what he was it's just what he's best at and so it's so fun to watch him be able to do that and I thought he did it great and I think that's the thing where you look at it and you're like I don't know I, I'm not discouraged I, I'm actually a little bit encouraged by the fact that the thing that I need to be good going into this major run is your your tee to green stuff how sharp are you with your irons the driver's always going to be hit or miss with him but how sharp are you with your irons I thought he was pretty good maybe the long irons need a little bit of work and definitely the short game, but the short game, I don't know. You, that can be, that can be worked on. That can be improved. Uh, the tee to green stuff, that sometimes take a takes a longer amount of time. So I actually come away from this week, even though he finished t forty, thinking like, yeah, I think he could like contend at the PGA. I don't know that he's going to win it, but I I don't see any reason that he can't contend. See, well, there's the, the one thing about real real quick, Rick. Sorry, mm-hmm, um, sure. the, the short game you mentioned that can be worked on. When you have a bad back, that's the hardest thing to practice. The short yeah, game and the putting. Like you, so you, you can't spend the hours that you used to be able to spend. That's why health is such a big deal. Uh, and so, you know, it's easier to practice a driver when you have a bad back than it is to practice a, a putting. It sounds crazy, but it's just the posturing and how much time you're standing in that posture. So for Tiger to win again, and I certainly believe that he can, we're not going to have any Phil Mickelson moments here with this one, but he's going to have to hit the ball extremely well. And he's got to drive it into the fairway so he can utilize that control he has with the irons. And, um, and then lastly, I think it has to be warm because when it's warm, it just increases his chances of feeling good. And when it's cold, in my opinion, it decreases his chances of feeling good. So I don't think you're going to see Tiger winning in a sweater. I think you're going to see him winning on like a, a four shirt kind of a day where he's where it's really hot. Well, I need more apparel takes. <laughs> <laughs> sweater Tiger versus four shirt Tiger. Uh, well, the million dollar question, gentlemen, is when we're going to see him next. And our very own Amanda Balionis asked him that after his round. What's your consideration when you think about when you're going to tee it up next with a major championship looming? What are the biggest factors that determine when you play, when you don't play, and why? Well, I think it's just planning and uh, making sure that uh, we have a plan in this uh, return to golf. You know, this was the start of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see what happens in, uh, in the near future. Do you know when we'll see you next? Soon. <laughs> I thought that was going to be the answer. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> there you go, KP. Soon. I don't, 
I don't understand like why why is why is Tiger's schedule like a national secret? Like why why like why <laughs> do, does do you he wanna, have like Do you huh? want to know why I think? I think it's because he doesn't know. Really? I think it, well, I think he has an idea, but I also think it's like holy holy crap, I wait I woke up and I don't feel well enough to play the players, so I better not commit like 2 months out or 2 weeks out or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I think I think he literally has an idea of where he wants to play and doesn't know if he can physically do it until the week of. Yeah, it's just, it's so like I don't know. Like he's so secretive about stuff like that. I'm like, bro, I don't really care if you play Memphis or Harding park or whatever. Like I, I, it's, you know, but just show up and we'll cover it and we'll, we'll move on to the next one. So I I can't, he's not, he can't go to Memphis, right? Like he's not going to go, he's going to go through 40 shirts, not four in, in the, in the, you know, late July heat in Memphis. So I think it's PGA. I think that, yeah, again, like, I think that he can be competitive there. I, I just – I keep going back to it. We can't overstate it. The seven majors in, a, in 11 or 12 months, whatever it is, that's a big deal for him because that's the last, like – it's not the last hurrah, but it, it could be the last, like, real, like, condensed shot at getting – you know, if, if he can rip off, like, two of those, I mean, then you're talking about he could, he could legit get to 18. And, and this uh, sounds dumb and crazy based on the way he played, but – I just think everything about the next 12 or 13 months is going to, is going to point to that for him. So do you think his game, I'll ask you both this. Do you think Tiger with basically playing the Memorial and the PGA can have his game ready to contend at, at winged foot? Like can, can his game get ready in that short period of time with just basically you're playing three extremely difficult golf courses um, and that's it. can your game get like, is there a point where you need to shake off the rust a little bit? I I feel like Memphis would be a great step for him. I I don't, I don't know how he plays Memphis just because then he's going to have to go back to back at, at PGA. I I don't know. I do. I think you're right, Greg. I think it's a really fine line of tournament reps versus rest. Like I, I think he needs more reps and I think he needs more rest and I don't (laughs) have a solution to both of those because they, they negatively correlate with one another. So I don't know, KP. What do you think? Well, I, I go back to Zozo last year, and the I mean, great field, good tournament. He hadn't played in ten weeks. He had had the surgery or the procedure, whatever it was. And Gary Woodland played with him on Saturday and Sunday, and was like, "I've never seen anybody control the ball like this." And you're like, "Oh well," I, and I get it. Like that Zozo's not a major, right? That's not a major type course or whatever, but. I just think it's rest over reps. I, I and you, I, I could be talked into Greg's point. I, I think it's a, I think it's a good point. And I think, especially the short game stuff, it, it, that stuff takes a little bit to get worked out. But I don't know. I, I think he's done it for so long, done it so many times that if you shoot seventy one on Thursday at Wingfoot, he just kind of hops into like, I know what this feels like. I'm back in it. Let's let's go. I hope so. It's a hard. I mean. It's high level. It's just so high level out yeah. there. Where, like you have to be there, you know, you miss by a yard and it doesn't mean you're 25 feet. It could mean, I mean, on that first green, you miss short by two feet in some hole locations and you could have 60 feet away and you got three feet where you can get your ball to stop. Like it gets crazy out there. And I just wonder if he's had the, the reps to compete at that i mean that is like next level next level it's like oakmont right it, it is as hard as it gets well remember when he uh when he it was in uh 15 
when he was like blading uh, wedges yeah. into the stands in yeah. Phoenix. Yeah. Stubbing and he, chips. And he doesn't play from then until the Masters. And he finishes like T19. And yeah. you're like, that's insane. Like, that is crazy to be able to do that. Now, is it advisable? Is it, is it ideal? No. Like, ideally, he, he could play Memphis or he could get another tournament in or whatever. Um, but I just think that's where we're at with Tiger. I mean, I think that's just what the deal is. Yeah, very interested to see uh, how the rest of this season goes for him. couple quick odds and ends, gentlemen. We'll run through these uh, fairly quickly. Greg, Phil Mickelson uh, putted from 78 yards out, then had to use his wedge, then his putter again. That's where, putter, wedge, putter. Uh, <laughs> he also laid up on a par three. Uh, he also, on PGA Tour Live, made sure that his coffee for wellness uh, cup was facing the camera in between his putts. This guy had a full day. It's something else. I mean, he is one of a kind. You love seeing it. I, now, a couple things. The putt, maybe there's a moment here where he's um, over, he, he overthinks things a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but I understand where he's coming from. There's a logic to it in a strange way. This is open championship like. It's extremely firm. You have no idea what's going to happen on the bounce. And my guess is he's saying, well, I play this on the ground. I have the best chance. You know, going with the putter seems extreme. You would think maybe like a seven iron or like a, a, tradi- a more traditional chip and run might work a little bit better than putting. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it makes you laugh. But I understand in a strange way where he's coming from with that. The whole locations on those greens were so tucked today. And it, it hasn't really been talked about a lot, but I mean, they were all within six yards of, of an edge. There was only one at six. Every other one was five or below, which is so tight. And when the greens are that firm, there's not a lot of room out there. So trying to land your ball over the corner of that bunker and getting it to stop, he must have felt like it, it just wasn't possible. I've never related more to Phil when he left it short on that putt and he said i saw that playing out differently in my mind (laughs) which is like yeah i I bet you did because i don't think i think that was the play um kp i'll go to you on this one literally the outline just says jordan spieth not terrible this week that's all it says (laughs) yeah hold on just a second did you guys know that there like there's a coffee for wellness website it looks like you follow this twitter account craig uh yeah are you in are you in deep with with uh with big coffee um (laughs) well dave phillips is uh dave phillips is also involved in coffee for wellness and he's a he's a friend of ours so love dave phillips and so they yeah i mean i'm not in deep but i know a guy i know a guy (laughs) i got a guy i I will shill coffee for wellness on this pod get them in touch with me uh yeah (laughs) let's go jake look this is this stuff is on its way up i don't even think it's out yet um officially but it's a it's a great product that they speak extremely highly of and i haven't even tried it yet so once i try it i'll give a, a full review we can maybe do a full day on it we should make it a yeah a video podcast. Uh, real quick on Phil before we go to speed. I actually I can't believe I'm defending this. I feel like laying up on 16 was the right play. Like I I I don't feel like that was necessarily wrong. Where did he Where did he try to hit it in the bunker? At, was it Open Championship where he tried to hit it into? Was it yeah. wasn't Troon? Was it where was that? No, I don't I don't think it was Troon. Because Troon he was on fire. He didn't have to go there. Yeah. It was somewhere I, I, else where he aimed for the bunker and, try, and got up and down from there. It might have been St. Andrews, honestly. Um, but I, I do remember that. It, it's, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, Spieth's just psychotic final round. He had 
four pars in his last 14 holes and shot 75. I, I don't, I don't even know what happened. Uh, he all, he was kind of hovering around the top 10. I didn't, what were his final numbers? Let me pull that up real quick. I he think was he had a putt for top 10, didn't he? Yeah. So he, he finished T13. Yeah. Uh, so his final numbers, he was, Oh, he was eighth from T to green. That's, that's crazy. A, that's encouraging. Is that consistency? Eh, oh, I need this to see is the it. first time he's ever done it for four rounds. Yeah, I was going to say, I need to see it for like more than, you know, a week. Uh, 48th in putting. So that's a good formula for him. Um, I, I just, I want him to be like in a final pairing, you know? It's just so, and not to take anything away from Rom or any of these guys, golf's been unbelievable since we come back, but it's fun whenever he's really in it every once in a while. Like Colonial, he was sort of in it, but. Sunday was, oh, he, was yeah he up. had our attention on Sunday big time at Colonial yeah. um Greg knows that he missed the putt on 18 because that gave Patrick Reed the head-to-head matchup win which was Greg's best bet of the week yeah, wow. yeah my strategy going into that I was picking on him kind of like uh as I said Rick a cornerback in the NFL that's maybe a backup or something yeah, so I was picking on Spieth and I, I'm I think I'm gonna stop picking on him I think he showed me something he can hang all right, we'll see. Speaking of uh, head-to-head, so the matchup challenge, uh, Greg and Kyle both went five and five. I went six and four, and that darn Mark Immelman got us all again, went eight and two. He is 16 and six in his last two weeks, and he retains uh, the matchup challenge belt. This guy's killing us. We got to figure he something out. We want to talk about one and done. I want to talk about a different contest. Oh, yeah, we got to figure that out. I, uh, real- I do not want to talk about that. <laughs> uh, real quick on next week. So we got the 3M Open, uh, TPC Twin Cities. Second year this tournament is going to exist. Greg and I will break down all the DFS stuff next week. But this is the first event of the restart where the strength of field this year is worse than last year's. Now, we've been very fortunate with the fields that we have had this season. So it's not necessarily a knock to the 3M Open, Greg. But um, there's going to be a couple of names there. There's guys with a lot of question marks. Dustin Johnson, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, Brooks Kepka's got some... Yeah, Brooks Kepka's got some work to do if he wants to find himself uh, at Eastlake. And Tommy Fleetwood is going to make his first start back uh, in, I think, since API. Can you imagine that Brooks Kepka might actually not make it into the FedEx Cup playoffs? Like that, there's a chance that that happens. It's crazy. I think it's a good chance. Yeah, yeah, it is. It looks more likely than not right now. It, it's uh, which I, I you can't say he's probably he's got a major beforehand, right? So you figure he's going to accumulate some points there. But um, Bro- Dustin Johnson shot two eighties this week, and uh, Brooks Kepka shot eighty on Sunday. So, yeah, some really high scores. But that being said, completely different experience they're going to have this week at the 3M Open. Wide fairways. It's like, it's like going to a, a resort course. It's going to be much more open, much more space, especially without crowds there. Um, and, and the greens won't be nearly as challenging. They will not be as firm and fast. So I, I look at these guys, and I, I think they're going to be able to get a little more comfortable this week. Um, and if there are weaknesses, there clearly are weaknesses in their game, they won't be shown as much this week. Kyle, you mentioned uh, Matthew Wolf, I believe, on HQ earlier. And I loved that because he went out and he was brutal on Thursday at yeah. the Memorial. And then if you just uh, filter by the last three rounds, so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, he was seventh in strokes gained tee to green, played a lot better 
Now he goes back for his first ever title defense. Yeah, he. I said that on HQ, and I hadn't seen his back nine yet. He shot forty on the back nine on Sunday, which wasn't great. But uh, he, he's just, there's so much talent there, right? And we've talked about this a, a ton of a ton of different times. Of like, the talent's not the issue; it's the consistency. It's where you at mentally. I think it's very different for him. It's a different experience for him to be defending this week rather than kind of chasing everybody. He's, you know. You're the defending champ. It's not as big of a deal because there's no fans there, but it's still it's still meaningful. It's still important, and that's just going to be an interesting spot. I, I I'm interested to watch him. Uh, Fleetwood, I think, intrigues me, and then DJ the the Jerry Rice Jerry Rice on Thursday Friday. I I, I don't know how that happens. If you're if you're unbelievable, Dustin Johnson. I, I I don't I don't understand, and it's almost as if like the the win was the outlier. Because if you look at the last 15 months, he's been yeah. not good. And then he wins, and you're like, okay, well, that, you know, back on track. And then he goes 80, 80. I, I just, I don't, I don't understand. Maybe there's nothing to understand. Maybe it's just DJ and you just move on to the next week. But I don't know. I don't get it. Is, is there anybody who, who could shoot 80, 80? who you could feel better about going into the next week than Dustin Johnson. Like you no. almost, you could almost completely write this off and just forget it ever happened. Cause you know that he's already forgot. I, I was going to say he already has. Yeah, that's for a, sure. That's a great, what, it's funny because when, if I do like radio or HQ or whatever there, I like, do you think this will carry over for DJ into the, into this tournament? I'm like, there's zero chance. Like that right. will, will not happen. Yeah. We're talking about it longer than he even thought about it. So <laughs> don't worry about it. All right, that'll do it. We are going to be back Monday evening for a DFS preview of the 3M Open. Greg and I are on that one. I want to thank Kyle Porter for joining me this evening. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. I want to thank Greg Ducharme. You can find him on Twitter at The Real GFD. You can find me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.